For those of you that know me and have been around me a long time, you know that I'm not given to um, major expressive shows of emotion. Um, every once in a while, you'll see some, but man, I, I, I just got a big smile on my face because the, the lights are up. I mean, it's like we're getting into our Christmas series. I'm really, I'm really enjoying this time of year. Now, it's going by way too quick already. Like, I can't, I can't believe it's already December. I wish we could just kind of slow it down. I know some of you, like Christmas, I cannot wait till this is over. It is the worst, but it's okay. No perfect people allowed. You have a, you have a place here. Uh, but, you know, it's December, so Christmas is in full swing, so we're going to start our, our Christmas series this Sunday, which is great. We've got a lot of things going on for Christmas. It's the season of giving, you know, so there are all kinds of opportunities that we have for that. We've got Fresh Start. We've got Moments of Hope. Uh, one of the things that we do during this time of year, during the season of Advent, is we have an Advent offering. And so, and you can go to velocitychurch.info, and I know Sarah mentioned some of this already, but you can go there and, and check out more information. But our Advent offering is to uh, Nights at the Inn with Moments of Hope. And so what they do is they uh, basically are, are homeless friends, people who are struggling without a place. They give them a, a night at a hotel and more things with that. So the money that goes to that helps to, helps to fund that. So just want to let you know that that's, that's going on. We've got two Christmas Eve services this year at 3.30 and 5. And we have no in-person Christmas Day morning service. Okay, so no, no in-person. You can uh, check us out online, though for that, that morning, all right? So just want to let you know of some of those things that are coming up. There's an Advent calendar that you and your family can uh, p- be a part of, which is awesome. Christina did an amazing job putting that together, and so uh, make sure you check that out. All of that's on velocitychurch.info. There's so many things I love about Christmas. One of my favorite things is the lights. Obviously, food as well. I really enjoy that. Presents are probably my favorite thing. Uh, receiving, not giving. Uh, I mean... Uh, I don't remember what I just said. That's all right. Don't just, we'll just move past that. No, I, I just love this time of year. And one of the things that just lets us know that it's Christmas is Christmas music. You turn on the radio. You know, your radio station is, I know some of you are like, ugh. Uh, you turn on the radio, you know, just hear, hear Christmas music. It's an amazing thing. Imagine Christmas with no Christmas music. It just wouldn't feel right. Mariah Carey would be in distant obscurity, you know, barely a memory in in our lives. The sound of bells would be all but erased from our collective knowledge and experience. And there would be no reason to walk to strangers' houses in the cold and knock and sing joy to the world off-key while they awkwardly have to stare at you. Right? Uh, Maybe we just don't do that too much anymore, though. Christmas music, or, or perhaps more more accurately, lyrics have been around since even before humanity knew that we had a reason to celebrate Jesus. The first ever Christmas carol is in Matthew chapter 1, uh, and, sorry, Luke chapter 1, and it's written by Jesus' mother Mary, who's celebrating what God is about, about to do in her life. It's the first pre-Christmas hymn or carol as, as uh, Mary's celebrating. And, and I've got to say, as much as I enjoy Christmas songs, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the just foundational Christmas carols that we sing and the depth of theology and richness of what they teach us and remind us of Jesus' birth in this time of year. Um, there, are some, there are some songs that I just can't get behind. There are some objectively terrible Christmas songs out there. And I just, in the interest of being deeply offensive this morning and starting off things well, I just want to mention a few of those things to, to us. Because we, you know, we... We deal with the hard things here, here at Velocity, right? Okay. Now, the first one, some of you are going to be upset. I just want to prepare you, prepare you for this. Uh, I really don't like the song, Mary, Did You Know? 
Now, I know, yeah, I know, I know. Some of you, especially if you grew up in church, you know, th- those kinds of things. I mean, that, that is one of those classic songs. And every time I hear that song, Mary, did you know, I just want to say, yes, yes, she did. <laughs> yeah, the angel told her, actually. Um, so she, she was aware. Um, we, we can read that in Scripture. You know, of course, it gets really specific. Oh, did you know that on the third Saturday of his fourth year, he's going to tie his shoes? Okay, okay, no. I mean, you know, in as much as anybody could know anything, yes, though, Mary did know. Um, so I just, I just get impatient when I hear the first line. Um, you know, I'm just thinking, stop dragging out this inane, you know, questioning. Like, this is, this is silly. Um, I have issues with a couple more songs, too. Do you guys want to hear them? Yeah. All right. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. And, and, and listen, there are a lot of terrible Christmas songs, but the, the next couple that I'm mentioning are, are the ones that just play on the radio incessantly. So it's, it's, these are the things, these are the reasons that Christmas are stress, gets stressful for some of us. It's songs like, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. It's terrible. I want a hippopotamus. You know, the, I mean, the voice and all of that. It's just, it's, it's awful. Um, a second, uh, second honorable mention is Santa Baby. I get it. I know. I know. It's, it's like, it, it sounds good and all that kind of stuff, but man, it gets, it's stuck in my head and, and, and oh, oh man, uh, hurry down the chimney tonight. That's, <laughs> Renee says that to me all the time, you know, <laughs> Christmas. Um, listen, Paul McCartney, incredibly talented. I mean, amazing songwriter, but if I have to listen to Wonderful Christmas Time one more time, oh. Man, I just, I just tell you. And the worst of them all has got to be Wham's Last Christmas. That's, can we agree on that one at least? Okay, all right, all right. Um, thank goodness for Christmas carols. Rich with tradition, familiar melodies, and meaningful theology, when we start singing Christmas carols together, that, that to me is, is real Christmas music. Um, they signal the most wonderful time of the year. And so we're going to look at a, f- a, few, a few different Christmas carols. The first one that we're going to look at is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I actually have uh, the, the lyrics that I can put up there so you can see. Uh, can, well, maybe you, you can kind of see. But those, those are the lyrics, the seven verses, all seven verses of O Come, Emmanuel. This is a very familiar, very theologically rich carol that started off as a poem, or, or, or actually maybe more along the lines of like a Gregorian chant. Uh, so if you can imagine us like just chanting it instead of having a, a nice, uh, nice melody along with it. Uh, it was written around the 11th century, maybe even earlier, but the way that we know it translated into English from Latin and, and the lyrics and the, the music that, that we sing we're familiar with was from about the 1850s, a translation then. And it was traditionally used in the week leading up to Christmas. And there are a few really neat things that the song does that make it a perfect starting point for our series. Originally, the very first verse, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and Ransom Captive Israel, that was the last verse. Because if you start looking through, through the verses and the order, if you start at 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and put 1 at the end, uh, you, you see that there's a timeline here of God's movement through human, humanity. And so if you think about it in terms of like how the Old Testament and how the New Testament is written, and if we were to think about the events of those things happening chronologically, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel kind of tells the story of God's salvation of humanity through Jesus. And so it's very rich. I mean, sometimes we sing songs and we're like, oh, we get into the melodies and words and stuff, but there's something very deep and meaningful happening here within the song. The other really significant thing that this song does is that each verse starts off with a name for the Messiah. 
a signifier for who Jesus is. It would be a lot more clear in Latin. I've actually got that for you right here. This is what it would, would look like. This would be the start of each of those verses. Again, with, with our first verse, last. And here's all the meanings and, and, and uh, all the, the verses and, and the pointing to the Messiah that happens throughout the Old, Old Testament as we see the different prophecies that are there, you know, see this is the plan that God has had all along to send Jesus to save his people and the entire world. Uh, so really, really neat things. Um, it's the verse that we sing first, though, that I really want to focus in on particular because it brings all of these other aspects of who Jesus is into really sharp, clear focus. Because it is the culmination of what Jesus does and who God is and what he desires the most when it comes to us. And that is that name, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel means that God wants no separation between us and him. And as we move through the timeline of Scripture, we see this narrowing down of focusing in on the crux of the matter. Like if you were to look at the Old Testament and how, how expansive it is and, and kind of think about the timeline of Scripture and, and, and how it goes, it all narrows down to this point in time where we get really specific about the details and life of Jesus. And then we kind of expand out again as, as the church is, is established and grows through, through the New Testament, is that everything really comes down to this point is that Jesus is Emmanuel, God is with us. That God's wisdom and power and glory and grace and mercy and love and righteousness and holiness is all that he desires to be shared with us. It's why he creates us and that's why he sends Jesus so that it can be ensured that we are with him. And the great existential crisis of humanity has always been that we are completely unable to capture the fullness of life on both an individual level and a communal level. And yet God does this. He enables us to experience a full life through the fullness of God and man in the coming of Jesus and the person of Jesus and who he is and who he represents in the fullness of grace and truth as Jesus brings heaven to earth and there is no separation anymore between the common and the divine. That's what happens when Jesus is born. That's what happens when God sends Emmanuel, God, with us. Any other conception of the divine and, and any other idea about how we explain away the unexplainable in life outside of Christianity, all of the effort is on the side of, crea of, of humanity. We've got to find a way to reach God. We've got to find a way to become good enough to be acceptable in whatever kind of terms that, that, that exist. And we either don't handle the pressure well or we spend all of our time and effort on things in life that don't ultimately matter. And all those other conceptions outside of who God is, outside of Christianity, outside of Scripture, we have to find and fight our way to some version or alternative of the divine need that our souls are looking for. However, this is not how the God of the Bible operates. He doesn't sit away from us, above us, unattainable and unapproachable. There's only contentment and satisfaction found in Jesus because God comes to us so that we could be with him. Despite our inability to do so on our own, God takes care of both sides of the equation. He comes to us and he enables us to be with, with him. And it's not just that God comes to be with us. It's also the scandalous way in which God comes to us. Establishing a kingdom that is far different, but also far greater and far expansive and farther reaching than any other. 
with his starting point being a poor and lowly and vulnerable child who not just lives among us, but shares all of our experiences with us, the only distinction being that he does so perfectly. So that not only God can be with us, but we can be with God. And so this is how it all begins. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In verse 23, Matthew quotes a 740-year-old prophecy that Isaiah makes in chapter 7, verse 14 in the Old Testament, who, who even then was given the message from God, hey, God with us is coming. And Matthew gets to be the one who makes the announcement of the good news that God is now here. God being with us is an earth-shattering reality. And so as much as you might already come in here knowing that Emmanuel means God with us, it bears, it bears repeating and it bears reminding of the significance of this moment. Especially for people who have been taught for hundreds and thousands of years that God is holy and he is righteous and his glory is so great that he is not even approachable. That to even look on the face of God would mean immediate death because of how amazing and awesome his presence truly is. And yet God shares himself directly with us. And suddenly Matthew says, he's, he's here now. God is with us now. This is what made the shepherds run back to the fields rejoicing. This is what made these wise men travel for years to come and bow and worship and give gifts at the feet of Jesus. It was this fact and this fact alone, that God is now here, that he's not distant, he's not far off, he's not uninvolved. God is not someone who watches us, who just watches us. He's not the one who just wound up the clock and set it and forget it. But God is now with us. The creator and sustainer of the universe is a relational God who stripped himself of his glory and became like us in the weakest form of humanity as a baby who was all God and yet all man without sin, and he lived among us. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This is meant to be the ultimate expression of God's love for humanity, the good news, seeing God's glory at work as a model for what a full and complete life looks like because we don't experience a full and complete life without him. The birth of Jesus would become the ultimate culmination of this ancient prophecy that God would fulfill his love for us no matter what, despite our sin, despite even our inability to believe or our unbelief, the life of Jesus establishes the opportunity in our lives to experience the ever-present love and glory of God. The most important perspective that we gain from Christmas, from Advent, is in celebrating the birth of the Messiah is that God is with us, that he always has been, 
and he always will be. The reason Jesus is referred to as Emmanuel is because he fulfills this. And it means a lot for how we think about our life and how we live our every day. As Christians, we can rest in the promise that no matter where we find ourselves, God is with us. I know this season brings all kinds of different thoughts and feelings and emotions because of family relationships, because of circumstances, situations that we find ourselves in. You know, I, just, just consider Mary's experience here. As, as we've read in Matthew chapter 1, what, what, what her experience is, Mary goes through the most unique experience that any human can ever possibly have and ever will have. Mary really is, in this experience of being the mother of Jesus, really is truly alone in this one thing. That as a virgin, she became pregnant because God miraculously enabled this to happen. And so you think about these times maybe that we come into our life where we feel like, well, we're, we're pretty lonely. I mean, the holidays are one of those moments where we feel pretty, pretty alone because of things that have happened, things that we've, we've experienced. And so th- think about Mary in this moment, how alone she felt. I mean, she, she went off. She went out of town and spent months with, with her cousin because of this. I mean, it completely upended her life. All the plans that she had, all the things that she thought how life would go, I mean, all of these things were changed in this moment. And yet listen, listen to the very first thing that God's messenger said to her. In Luke chapter 1, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you, are highly, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I mean, that, that, is, that is the first thing. You, you know, all the, all the other things that we talk about, we talk about sin, we talk about holiness, and we talk about living the way that Jesus does, being disciples of Jesus, and all the important things doing good, you know, modeling ourselves after the way that Jesus interacts with people. All those things are right and good and holy, but what it really boils down to when we talk about following God and, and, and believing in what he has done through Jesus in our lives is, is that the biggest thing that he wants us to know is that I'm, I'm with you. Like even, even when you feel like you are all alone, you've got this completely unique experience that nobody else could ever possibly relate to, that nobody else could connect, connect with me on, the, on this level. God says, I, I am with you. It's the very first truth that the angel proclaims to Mary. The very first thing that she desperately needed to know. He says, the Lord is with you. And so, as we sing and as we worship and as we celebrate during the season of Advent, this is not about a past event. This is not about something that just happened. But it's something that is also a present and future reality. And so when we sing this verse, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. Not, not just that he has come, but he, he will come again. Because that, that's, the, that's the part that Advent is really all about. You know, Advent does not just mean celebrating the birth of Jesus. It's about celebrating the fact that Jesus is coming again. That God has continually been showing up within the lives of humanity. Um, if you took the first letter of all of those Latin names and, and put, them, put them together backwards in, in the verse, can we put that back? You're, you're the man, DJ. Thank you. Uh, I meant to actually talk to you about this, and I forgot, and yet you still were like on point. So uh, if you read those backwards, the first letter of each of the names, E-R-O, arrow, and then C-R-A-S, crass, um, originally this was written in Latin, 
Um, all those uh, two words come together that basically says, I will be present tomorrow. Um, God is with us. And he continues to be so. And, and there's coming a time in which there, there is no longer going to be any kind of veil, any kind of separation between the common and divine. That, that at some point in the future, Jesus is coming again soon. And, and the implications for what that means for our lives in the here and now and the hope that we have for the future are, are completely life-altering and life-fulfilling. Let me read these words from Revelation chapter, one, chapter 21, starting in verse 1. John says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Jesus is coming again, and when he does, this time God will make everything new, just like he did before, but this time it will be for good. And so we continue to sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And we continue to rejoice in this life because we know that Jesus will come so that we can be with God forever and life will be complete. In the here and now, as followers of Jesus, God is ever present with us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's meant to impact, the Holy Spirit is meant to impact how we think about and live out our everyday life. But the only way that can happen is if, if we're reminded of this and, and we're, we're recognizing what this season really is all about. And let me encourage you to do this. In the midst of all the busyness, in the midst of all the time going exponentially faster, you know, it's already, it's already December 4th. We've only got 20 days till Christmas Eve. Can you imagine? I mean, that's, that's no time at all. I'm sure we've got our schedules packed. You know, we've got in-school you know, stuff that, that's happening. We've got our jobs and we've got parties and we've got, I don't know, things that we're dealing with, maybe even struggling with. Let me encourage you to do this. Take some time and put it on your schedule to just, um, just be still in this moment. Just rest in the fact that God, God is with us. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's throwing a birthday party for Jesus for your family. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, have birthday cake. Have an ex Who needs an excuse to have birthday cake, right? I mean, here, here's, a, here's a good one. Do, do something this Christmas that reminds you of the fact that despite of everything else that's going on, all the other opportunities that we have, good, bad, and different, God is, God is with us. And that's the thing that he desires most of all, is for us to be with him. A little bit later on today, after, after the service, we've got a few baptisms that are, that are happening, and, which I'm completely excited and, and stoked about. I mean, um, it, it's representative of this moment in time in which we say, God, I... I recognize that, that you're here. I want to be with you too. And, and I, I just want to encourage you to take those opportunities that God has given us to, to say yes to the time and the space that he wants to spend with us. That's, that's what he desires most of all from us is really just us, to be with him. God is with us, and he will be with us again soon.
So may we continue to sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, just the opportunity it is to be reminded of these things. Maybe that we, we know, we've heard before, but we, we need continual encouragement to keep present and at the forefront of our life. There's so many different distractions. There's so many different other things that vie for our attention. And yet the most important thing is the attention that we give to you and the attention that you have spent on us. God, you've, um, you've made the, the whole of your relationship with us about bringing us to you. And God, we praise you for that. We honor you for that. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.